Hi, my name is Gordon and some amazing people and I started a church. Through many years of prayer and waiting, we feel God is calling us to empower people to make disciples in every neighborhood. This is our story. Hey everyone, thanks for clicking on the second podcast. If you listen to the first one, thank you for doing that too. We're so excited to launch this church. We're so excited to jump in. I was just talking to the Mejias tonight. And let me know time and place. I'm recording this the night before our launch. So it is September 7th, uh, late at night, and everyone's sleeping in my house except me. And I'm just thinking about things. I'm excited. I decided to do another podcast here, and we're going to launch tomorrow morning less than 12 hours away. And I'm just really excited. They're excited. And um, yeah. And so last podcast, I shared about like how we got through the process, um, what I thought, uh, what I felt God was calling in me, and how kind of my leadership, the, uh, I guess, gifting has grown over time and, and where I'm at with that. And I also promised in this podcast, I'd share why we decided to start a church or why, at least from my perspective, that it's important or why would you even ever start a church? Uh, we know that a lot of the church stats out there are against church planners. A lot of church planners close their door within a few years, maybe even within a year. Um, it's hard. It's hard to get people. It's hard to get resources. It's hard not having a coach or denomination to back you up if that's not what you're doing. Or even if you do, it, there's a lot of work that needs to be done there. And so um, we know that. We've also had people uh, flat out you know, tell us not to or um, discourage us over these past couple of years about doing that. We've also had people that were really excited about it and they want to learn more and even want to be a part of it. And so maybe this is an invitation for that. But either way, um, I wanted to share why why even start a church and, and from my perspective, why that's important. And I'm a, a big, like, uh, what would you say? Logical thinker. You know, I like hearing the stats. I don't always... Um, you know, we don't always believe the stats, but it's nice to hear different stats about things. And there's a group called the Barna Group, and what they do, it's just faith-based stats, faith, the faith-based views on the world, how the world is, is affecting Christianity. And I've done a lot of research uh, what the Barna Group does. I really like their work. Um, and some of these stats that I want to share with you right now um, are part of what I think is the discontent, discontent inside of me um, for wanting to be a part of this. And so whenever you start an organization, this is just a little bit like <laughs> a little bit of side note. Whenever you start an organization, whether it's uh, a business or a church or a nonprofit or whatever it may be, they usually uh, the leadership has some type of discontent inside of them. Otherwise, why would they do it? There's a problem that needs to be solved. And so this is our problem. And then usually that organization has some type of solution. And then I'll provide like, obviously the church is the solution, us wanting to start this church and what that looks like. And then there's also a timeline. Like why now? Why not years ago? Why not in the future? And uh, I'm going to share a little bit about that too. So first of all, the problem, what is the big problem? Why do we need to start a church? And we feel like we need to start a church is because um, part of Barna Research in 2015, I, I downloaded the Fresno City, Fresno Visalia City Report. And some of the stats were 30% of the people in the area are considered to have an active faith this past week. That means if we have a million people, let's say, in the area, there's 300,000 people that are considered to have an active faith. They read their Bible, they pray. And that means 700,000 people don't, which means of all the churches we have here, the 500 plus churches that we have, 
which is great, by the way. Don't even um, get me started on how awesome that is. We have such a great uh, church base and church um, pl- uh, pastor cluster. If you're a city out there and you need um, you need your pastors to be united, you don't know what that looks like. Fresno has a great pastor cluster kind of organization where they meet monthly. They get to talk about best practices and pray for each other. Um, there's all these different things. So email me if you want to know more about how to unite your pastors along your city because uh, it is a really amazing thing, and it's rare. It's rare. A lot of pastors kind of have tunnel vision, and they just kind of go for what's in their church. Um, but a lot of our pastors around town are willing to extend their hands and partner with other churches around here, which um, is a beautiful beautiful representation of the bigger church as a whole. But uh, what I mean by that is that if there's a million people in the area, and we've got 500 churches, let's say, uh, if 2,000 people went to all every single one of those churches, everybody would be a church-going person. They would potentially believe in Jesus, be saved, and we'd have to move on and go to a different uh, city. But that's not the case. It says 30% of the people have an act of faith, and that means there's 700,000 people potentially that still don't even know Jesus or have an act of faith or are encouraged or accountable or whatever it may be. And so there's always room, is what I'm saying, to start churches or to start faith-based organizations and give hope to people. And so that's one of the big reasons why. I mean, there's always room to do that. Another thing is that I was reading uh, this book called Revolution by George Barna, and uh, published in 2012, and some of these stats are a little bit more alarming. Let me share uh, these. <laughs> uh, one of the stats, okay, first of all, I'm, I'm getting a little like fired up. As you can see, I'm stuttering. I'm sorry, but I'm getting a little fired up because these stats just kind of like, mm, like bring out the, the boxer inside of me. I'm not a boxer, but... Um, you know, just just the uh, the angst. Uh, this stat is eighty percent of believers. That's eighty eight zero believers do not feel they have entered into the presence of God or experienced a connection with Him during the worship service. And let me tell you, as a worship leader, hearing that, oh man, out of all the work, all the things that I've done—Easter's, Christmases, production, prayer team building, all these different things, to have 80% of your congregation not feel like they connect with God during the service, uh, that's rough. That's really rough. Um, and I know a lot of worship leaders out here, out there who struggle with um, that feeling, whether they know that stat or not is different, and probably a lot of pastors out there too. Um, and so that's part of when I think we need to talk about an act of faith and empowering people with their faith and empowering people to make disciples, I think that stats goes down and people start connecting with God on a daily basis and they connect with them individually and corporately as well. And of course, I'm not saying I have the answer, but I'm saying I'm willing to try to think about creative ways with our team to pursue that and for and to pursue people to connect with God. Uh, The next one is a typical church believer will die without leading a single person to Christ. Uh, This one also goes in tandem with that. Most church Christians believe that since they are not gifted in evangelism, such outreach is not a significant responsibility of theirs. So let's just talk about that for just a few seconds. Many people are will take spiritual gift tests or whatever, and they'll think, like, I don't have evangelism, so yes, I'm off the hook. I don't have to talk to people about Jesus because it's so awkward, and I'm just going to let the 
the people on the street preach fire to people as they walk by. Um, and I don't think that's true. I think you can talk about Jesus in a variety of different ways, but it's just sad that most people think that they, they don't have to share the gospel, that once the gospel was shared with them, it can end with them. And that's not what Jesus calls us to do. It's very clear in the Bible for us that he tells us to go and make disciples. And part of that process is evangelism. And part of that process in Ephesians 4 is uh, the equipping the equipping part. It's one of five parts to equip the church with is teaching the church how to evangelize. And so I, I want to do that. I want to get better at it myself. You know, um, it, it's hard. It's hard to evangelize and to be bold in that way. Just about anything. And so that's kind of where we start. I mean, there's a lot of other stats that I could rattle off, but you get the point. You get the point that um, a lot less people are going to church. A lot less people are being accountable in their faith. And people need hope. And I, th- I believe that hope is Jesus. And so what is our solution? Our solution is to start a church. Uh, but we want to intentionally empower people to make disciples. I know a lot of churches are content with people just coming and sitting in the pews. Um, but we want to try to develop ways where people can own their faith and then share it with other people. Where they can empower people to share, to share the gospel at home and at work and at school with their family and with their friends. And we've got some ideas about how to start that foundation and some ways that we think we can do that. And, and honestly, those require relationships, and relationships are slow. They take time to build. And so part of our church, I think, is going to look like that. It's going to be very relationship-based, and, um, and it's not always going to be in one location. It's going to be in those places where we want Jesus to be, at home, at work, at school, and with family and friends. And then the last part is, why now? Why do it now? <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't tell you, like, why not do it a couple years ago? But God has a plan, and people need to be able to understand what's happening, and vision needs to be spread accurately and accordingly in God's purpose. And if we would have started this two years ago, it would have been too soon. I think Rand and I were pretty excited about the idea initially, but we told our wives about it, and... Um, honestly, like my wife didn't see the picture yet, didn't understand. And we talked through a lot of conversations of what this could be, um, as a couple. And then also with the Mejia family. And we have all come to an agreement that we have a a baseline of what we want to see happen. Things may be different over time and that's okay. That's okay to disagree on things. And it's awesome to agree on things, but, uh, we think now's the time. And if you're listening to this, and you're excited about this, like, man, just email us, jump in, see how you can get a part of it. Um, we know that today uh, <laughs> there's still some groundwork to be done. So uh, we're not looking to get like 500 people today. But um, we also don't have a website. We don't have materials. You'd all have to come over to our house to have a meal, and and we can't accommodate that many people right now. <laughs> no, but seriously, we, we are excited about it. We want people to, to be a part of it if they want to be a part of it. And we just really think God's called us to it. So thank you for listening to the second episode of why we wanted to start a church. I hope you enjoy uh, the future episodes as we jump in tomorrow, tomorrow morning. I'm really excited. So, all right. Thank you again for listening, everyone. See ya. 
This is the part where we would tell you to go to our website to learn more information about what we're doing. But since we're a new church, we don't even have a website yet. So just thanks for listening to this podcast and hope you check out the next one.